Suspend your disbelief. Let yourself be led down a path into the world of the paranormal, where ghosts, shadow people, cryptids, aliens, and all things supernatural dominate. Immerse yourself in a dimension of ominous trepidation with your hosts, Dan, Danny, and Rachel. Welcome to the Phantom Faction Podcast. And welcome to this episode of the Phantom Faction Podcast. I'm Dan. I'm Rachel. And where's Danny? We're missing Anna. Danny. This is a first. I don't think we've ever had a podcast without Danny, unless uh, I was out and about, you know, doing those uh, roving podcasts like I did in North Bay with, with the Bigfoot. But uh, today we have Tony, who is a, a familiar person, <laughs> at least on the podcast. He's He's been on the podcast a couple of times. We, we mention him awful, often, not awful. <laughs> he's pretty awful. But... So- uh, Nice yes. to have Tony with us. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Tony from SHIP, Strange Happenings and Investigations of the Paranormal. And the reason why I asked Tony to sit in for Danny today is because of our guest. Uh, Tony is a big Civil War buff, uh, loves the history of it, and has been to Gettysburg several times, I think, and done his own little uh, uh, ghost investigations on his own did some EVPs uh, in and around the battle sites and that brings us to our guest Mr. Mark Nesbitt how are you Mark? Just fine Dan Awesome Mark, uh, anyone who looks you up is going to see that you are an author of uh, at least 15 books that I can see uh, you've done the Ghosts of Gettysburg series Pennsylvania Ghost Stories Haunted Pennsylvania uh, you've co-wrote a couple of books with uh, a lady by the name of Catherine Ramsland, uh, Blood and Ghosts and Haunted Crime Scenes. And you're also, uh, I guess, the the guy to go to for ghost tours in and around Gettysburg as well. That's correct. We, yeah, we have Ghosts of Gettysburg candlelight walking tours. Been going on for uh, 26, 27 years now. Wow. Mark, you used to be a, a park ranger, apparently. Yes, I was. And was this in and around Gettysburg and the the battlefields? It was exclusively at Gettysburg. Um, I started off as a seasonal ranger there uh, during my college years. And then that expanded into uh, an 80-day appointment, which is basically all year round. And I did that for about five or six years. Um, And then, you know, I liked the area, but I didn't want to be a park ranger all my life, although working as a park ranger gave me tons of experience in terms of, of uh, research and, and uh, uh, writing and things like that, because I developed some tours for them. And then uh, actually it, 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 it was while working as a park ranger that I had the uh, first inklings of the other world that exists in and around Gettysburg the paranormal right and that um, was that was going to be my next question was how many things did you see when you were patrolling maybe at night uh, you know things that went bump, bump in the night or these these ghostly uh, apparitions that seemed to uh, permeate the area right well when i was working for the park i didn't i really didn't i don't think i saw anything i mean you know um that's only it was later when i wrote the books that i started doing uh, I had a bunch of data and I started doing some analysis of that. And I found out 
probably why I never really saw anything at that point. It was because only about 10% of all the, all the stories that 1000 or so stories that I collected for the books, only about 10% are visuals. So they're very rare. Uh, visual is, is very rare. Although I did, I have had them subsequently from working at the park service, but the most um, common, about 60% are, are auditory. You're going to hear a ghost before you see one. And that's, that's what happened to me while I was working for the park service. I, I lived in uh, four of those, you know, those real pretty houses out on the battlefield, mm -hmm. the, the historic houses. I got a chance to live in four of them. And every one, in every one, I had some sort of weird experience that I couldn't explain. And maybe the, the one that really got me going on the paranormal was in the, I lived in the National Cemetery Lodge that beautiful brick structure right there in the National Cemetery. And um, I was there alone one afternoon, uh, cleaning up my dishes after lunch, which is a rarity to begin with. <laughs> that was almost paranormal. I was actually cleaning up after myself, but I was walking <laughs> my dishes out to the uh, kitchen and um, <clears throat> I heard what, what, the only way I could describe it was a baby crying baby crying and I got I, I just stopped I froze and I'm like what in the heck was that I'm I'm all alone here there aren't any, any babies here and uh, you know you try you try to explain it to yourself well what was it the pipes no it wasn't the pipes it was a baby crying so I I uh I finished cleaning up and uh apparently I casually mentioned it in in to my colleagues in the in the coffee room in the, in the next day or so and they said, you need to talk to this woman who lived there before you. So I got in touch with her and sure enough, she'd heard it as well. And the, the strange part after I got to thinking about it, there's two different people hearing the same thing in the same venue. After I got to thinking about it, I realized that just two doors down from the cemetery lodge was the old orphanage for the soldiers from the civil war, from their children uh, and the story of the second headmistress there was like something out of a Dickens novel. She was very, very cruel and used to make them stand outside on a barrel in, a, in the cold until they fell off and hurt themselves for punishment. And that is the only thing I can, I can connect with uh, the two of us at separate times hearing it a baby cry, a baby in distress. And so that was, that got me started. And I didn't realize I started collecting stories after that. At first, as a, as a historian, collecting the folklore of Gettysburg. And then later on, as I got into the paranormal investigating and things like that, then as, as, a, as, a, as I guess I, I could call myself a, a cynic or a, um, a doubter or, or an agnostic, about the paranormal, but that's good. I mean, that's, uh, I, I think I'm going to learn a lot more about it uh, being that way. What's, well, uh, was there any interest in the paranormal growing up even before you, you started to work uh, in the area and live in the area? Did you have any uh, paranormal experiences or did your parents have any? Or, did this, or is this just a newfound interest because of the, uh, the baby crying? Incident. The new, the I think the the only thing that I had experienced uh, 
you know, there, there was this place where I grew up called Gore Orphanage. Now that's a, that's a wonderful name for a, a haunted site, but it was the only one around there uh, in Northern Ohio. And we used to go out there and visit and try and scare the bejeebers out of ourselves, which, and it worked, you know, we were 15, 16 years old, we'd scare, scare ourselves. But that was the only other experience I had uh, before the park service and, and except at Gettysburg and got, uh, you know, uh, we visited, my parents and I visited when I was a, a teen and uh, I remember walking out the Emmitsburg Road. This is back when it uh, south as it is today, and and getting a little bit farther out, and then saying, "Okay, that's far enough." You know, you get get what I call the willies, what everybody calls the willies, and the willies took over, and I got turned around. So, but I think I got pretty far for a fourteen-year-old out into the into the dark there a picket's charge of the field of picket's charge but um it really started when i when i worked for the park service and was you know there 24 and, and basically inundated uh, uh with the, with the battle and uh all the uh the, the history and, and and then the ghost stories people would come to me and tell me their ghost stories and i jot them down and finally collected them into it took 10 years to collect the stories into the first ghosts of gettysburg book and i figured that was going to be it it was gonna be one off but um within two weeks of it being published i started getting phone calls and letters from people this is this is before tweets or anything like that this is back in 91 um and they were basically okay my neighbors are wrong i'm not crazy here's what happened to me at gettysburg and i got literally hundreds of if not if not a thousand or more letters probably two thousand letters um about the, the ghostly experience people have had at gettysburg out of all the areas uh including the battlefields uh the town proper um what would be the most haunted location do you think you know i get asked that all the time and, and that and if there are more ghosts active during the during the anniversary of the battle and I have to I have to say for the uh, where the most haunted places are it it kind of changed you know there I get a lot of story a few years ago I got a lot of stories about the Spangler Spring but it, in terms of um, consistency if 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 you really want to up your chances of uh, having an experience uh, I would say probably uh, Devil's Den or right next to it is a place called the triangular field. And that's where I got some of my first EVP, the electronic voice phenomenon and um, devil's den. I really get a lot of stories from people who are visiting devil's den. My goodness, with a name like that, <laughs> you gotta. Did, did the name come before the battle or after? Yeah, it was there before the battle. No, I was really sure how uh, devil's den got its name. I've heard half a dozen stories, but um it, it was called Devil's Den prior to the battle. And, and as a matter of fact, it was haunted prior to the battle. I had one of the first stories I, I got was of uh, uh, a couple of hunters pre-battle, early 1800s, uh, were out in the area hunting. And, uh, of course, without any roads back there, it's pretty, it's a jumble of boulders, huge boulders, house-sized boulders. And um, they, they kind of got turned around. It was getting dark. It was getting cold. And all of a sudden they looked up and they saw a native American and he was like, 
And so they, you know, what they have to lose. So they started following, following him and they ended up in a place with the rec that they recognized and went to catch up with him and he kind of disappeared. So he basically helped them out of this, this jumble, this maze of boulders. But that was one of the very first uh, stories, pre-battle stories that I, I'd heard about uh, Gettysburg, but that was Devil's Den. So um, those, I would say those are probably the two most haunted places. Tony, I, uh, I saw you nodding your head when Mark was mentioning these places. Um, you've been to Gettysburg twice, and uh, I know that you took your recorder with you, and, and you're, you're certainly the person to talk to about EVPs and, and your clear audience uh, abilities that you have. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, Devil's Den, right, is a rock formation, uh, right, but right in the middle there's a big crevice, an opening, that you can crawl into and it opens up very, very wide. And uh, apparently during the battle, if I'm correct there, uh, Mark, that uh, a lot of uh, Confederates right, use that as refuge, right, from the bullets being fired down from above, right, a little round top onto it. And um, a lot of people died there. And when you walk in there, it's, it's airy, you're surrounded. And with an opening, right, and you knew that people died in there. And it's, it's very creepy. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, also they uh, when they uh, were burying bodies out in that area, you know, there's there's not much soil, there's not much areas to dig. So right after the battle, they just started tossing the bodies into the cracks and crevices there of Devil's Den. So you were you, <laughs> I'm territory there, Tony. Yeah, and I heard that uh, when the uh, smell got too bad, the town folks uh, went there to move the bodies. But unfortunately, when they bloated up. They intertwined and they had to use uh, gambling hooks and horses to haul them out. It yeah. was not, yeah, it was not pretty. It was not, yeah. not pretty after the battle. A lot of bad energy there, that's for sure. Mark, do you think that a lot of the, the uh, hauntings are residual or are there still some intelligent spirits that still wander the, the grounds? Yeah, I have both. I have accounts of both in my books. And uh, for example, in fact, speaking of Devil's Den, one of the first stories I got was a woman who uh, was out <clears throat> at them early in the morning and came into the National Park Visitor Center. And I was uh, on duty that morning. She said, are there any ghosts at Gettysburg? Of course, we were all interested. We said, why? What happened? And she said, well, I was out at Devil's Den earlier this morning, uh, right after the park opened. There wasn't anybody there. And I got a little turned around. So I parked my car and I got out and I said, I figured I was going to take a picture and got a, way up on top of the rocks and looked around. And I was looking through my camera and all of a sudden I felt like she said, I felt like there was somebody near me looking at me. So I turned around, sure enough, there was a guy standing there and he said, what you're looking for is over there. And so I turned to see what he was pointing at. And I, she said, I said to myself, well, see, how's he know what I'm looking for? She said, I turned around and he was gone. And he just had to have vanished because there was no place for him to go. I was uh, up on top of the rocks and there's no place for him to go. And um, so she uh, came in and told us and we said, well, what did he look like? She said, well, kind of like the hippie. He had a big floppy hat, shoulder length hair, uh, ragged clothes, barefoot, ragged uh, uh, trouser hems. And it, we, the historians there were kind of looking at each other because she basically described uh, a Texan 
And uh, because Texans were so far away from home, by the time they got to Gettysburg, they couldn't get uniforms. So they were using everything they could from Union uniforms, pants uh, that they took off the dead to things like that. So she basically described a Texan, and we all knew that the regiment, Confederate regiment that's most famous for their their participation uh, at in Devil's Den is the is the first Texans, uh, the, the uh, uh, Hood's Texans. Basically, that they basically took Devil's Den away from the Union troops uh, in that area. And so she probably got a vision into the past, but that's an interactive, you know, where, where he recognized her, he acknowledged her, and actually spoke to her. And then as far as um, the residual spirits, maybe the most famous is one that we, uh, we, I've, we've named uh, uh, the Phantom Regiment. And I have several accounts and one in particular, they all run the same. They all go the same, basically. Uh, one is about uh, this woman and her son had gone out on a battle, driven out on the battlefield. And in the back is a family dog. And th this is, he's kind of important into the story. And as they got out to the peach orchard and were heading uh, east on the wheat field road, they came over the crest of the hill and they looked down and, and they saw this the unit, a unit of soldiers watching around, uh, doing maneuvers. And um, at first they thought maybe they're going to have a reenactment somewhere. But as, and the dog in the back was looking over their shoulders and growling at what the dog was seeing. And um, a couple of joggers came over the, the crest of the hill and the whole unit just disappeared. When we have an experience like this, we um, are, we have a lot of excuses. And so we, we have a tendency to make excuses. The dog is just, he's just alerting. So whatever the people saw was there since the dog saw it too. So, and that is a, uh, an example of a, um, a residual haunting because the stories that I hear about it are almost universally the same. And uh, they never, they never recognize, never point at anybody. The only thing that happens is they disappear when they're, when they're caught. Mark, is there a certain time of year that the hauntings or the spirit activity tends to uh, escalate? Well, a lot of people would think that it would be the anniversary of the battle, July 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. But it, it's hard to tell because, you know, that's the 4th of July weekend. So mm -hmm. there are more people there, more witnesses potential witnesses. So I do get raised at that time, but um, it seems like the, you know, if you're there in December or January or February, when no one else is on the battlefield, I've gotten stories from people who've, who've witnessed things um, in the off season. So it's, it's, it's tough to say, you know, uh, it's the old tree falls in a forest, you know, if the ghosts, <laughs> are out there frolicking and there's no one to see it and it could be happening all the time right but i know it's active anytime and what about uh reenactments you'd mentioned it before uh, i know that they do a lot of reenactments i don't know if it's an annual thing that they do but i, I would imagine uh that was that's almost like a trigger object for a lot of the spirits if they saw you know if they were a union soldier and they saw a lot of guys in confederate uniforms milling about and and vice versa. Any uh, any uh, reenactment actors ever approached you and said, "Hey, I think that I just spoke to a, a ghost"? Or yeah, yeah, I've gotten uh, 
reports from uh, reenactors, maybe the uh, the most prolific one was from a, remember when they had made the movie Gettysburg that was out in the 90s I guess um, the um, they had an literally an encampment in Getty or just outside of Gettysburg for two or three months of reenactors volunteers and I got a uh, letter from a guy who was there most of the time he was from California and uh, he sent me 13 pages of of just notes okay in other words just a paragraph or two of things that happened to that he'd heard about from from guys that had been the, in the uh in the encampments and you know it kind of makes sense it, it 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 indicates that they can see as as we can see them periodically they can see us as well from their side of the veil and um it certainly would make sense i mean if the last thing they remember or if they look down at themselves and see that they're in uniform, they realize that they're a soldier and all of a sudden they see a reenactment, an encampment, and they walk right in. They smell the bacon. They smell the coffee. Uh, and then all of a sudden, somehow, for some reason, they realize, hey, I'm not supposed to be here. So, Right. Is there a, Has anyone ever done a, a statistical analysis of uh, the types of spirits and like maybe more Union spirits or more Confederate spirits? Or is, is it a bit of a bit of, a, a bit of both? Yeah, it's a it's a bit of both, and I'm not sure if I can really nail it down in terms of you know where where they which lines historically they they uh, the ghosts appear in. You, you would think that they would appear where they fought, uh, or maybe where they were buried. But uh, I probably could get that out of my out of my books because it is like a, a database now. Mm-hmm. But I think I need a. Uh, an intern from a local college to go through all that. It, it's, it's almost overwhelming. Plus I have a lot of stuff that's not even published yet that uh, probably we could glean some things out of. In fact, one of the chapters in my, in Ghost of Gettysburg 8, the most recent one is called Deja Vu. I realized um, that some of the same things that I had, some of the same stories that I had collected, you know, 10 or 15 years ago were happening again. The events were happening again in the same venues to a whole new set of people. So I, I wrote it down. I mean, that's about the closest we can get as paranormal investigator to the scientific method, which means that you have to be able to have a, an experiment that can be reproduced, that can be, that can be replicated by other uh, uh, scientists. And it's tough to do when you're doing paranormal investigations, you know, because ghosts don't, you know, they're, they are human beings just, just dead and you know unpredictable we all are that's right but um so this is about the closest thing uh that i i've gotten to to being able to replicate a uh an experiment tony you have a an interesting story that you told me a couple times uh when you were down in gettysburg uh something about one of the monuments where someone either from the north or the south was collecting water and you got a, a very interesting evp that was in uh, fredericksburg right okay. yeah Fitzgerald at the time, well that one. But I, I do remember a story from Gettysburg, uh, where the wife and I we did one year uh, ghost tour walks through there. Oh, I recommend it to anybody. Uh, the guy who did it uh, did a fantastic oh. job. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, nice. We took a bunch of pictures and um, we went back to the hotel that night. And uh, there was a storm outside, and uh, there was two beds in there. And the wife was on one going through the photos on the computer, and she said to me, "Would you like to have a look at them?" I said, sure. 
So she passed me the computer. So I'm lying on the bed by myself and going to the computer. And I got to the place where, um, where there was shooting back and forth you know, between the houses. And it was there right onto it. And uh, I made a memory because when I was there, I was whistling uh, a Gary Owen song, right? And I had chills over my spine. And I said to the wife, I said, hey, this is where I was at this whistling the song. And all of a sudden, underneath the bed, if there was somebody underneath there was kicking me. And I was going up and up and up. And I said, wife, look. And she goes, what? Look. And she goes, what are you jumping for? It's not me. <laughs> Something was kicking you under the bed. But what about the other story about the, the EVP where uh, you got, where the guy said, uh, commented on the gentleman who was collecting water for, for everybody? Yeah, that, that, that was um, up in Fredericksburg, right? Uh, there was a sergeant there, right, uh, with the Confederates. Um, oh, God, what was his name? Um, very famous name. But anyway, he was uh, wounded and he collected water canteens and he went out and he was giving water to everybody. And they made a monument of him right there, right pouring water. And um, I had my recorder open and I, I read the comments on the back what he did. And I said, I said, sir, you must be one brave man. And when I played back later on that uh, evening, right, I heard a man says, no, he was a, he was a fool. <laughs> no, he was a fool. And that was, you know, it was pretty intriguing right onto it. But at Fredericksburg is, 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 is a whole different ball game. It's all haunted. <laughs> A different ball Yeah, game. we had tours there. I think that the fellow's name is Sergeant Kirkland. Kirkland, that's right, the company. Yes, thank and you. Ghost of Fredericksburg Tours, and, and and it was very interesting. In fact, they're still doing our tours. We just don't own them anymore. We kind of gave them to one of our one of our guides. But uh, yeah, Fred, well, that whole area of Fredericksburg, you know, you have four major battlefields within 15 miles of each other, and um, they touted as having you know where 100,000 fell, 100,000 wounded in the four battles that were there over, over uh, a couple of years. But uh, I love Fredericksburg. We, we almost bought a house down there, as a matter of fact. I hope we didn't buy the house that they build on the killing fields. <laughs> That's when you oh, look from, no, no. There's hundreds of houses built on the killing fields. And right. I always, I said to my wife, I wonder how haunted those houses are. Well, I, we used to eat at a place down there that was right beside where they had a burial trench. <laughs> so that was, that was kind of interesting. I, I, I asked, you know, wherever we'd go, we'd always ask, are there any, do you have any ghosts here? And most of the places said, yeah, that's, that's how, uh, that's how I got most of my stories were down from down there. Mark, uh, two of the uh, most famous ghosts, I guess, in the area, uh, and I'm assuming it's Gettysburg, is the Lady in White and the Lookout Phantom. Can you tell us uh, a little about those two? Uh, the, um, yeah, the Lady in White, she's been seen many many times and uh we even followed up with her um she the, the the original legend is that she was seen years after the battle out at uh, spangler spring and it was always the same thing kind of a goat well ghostly yeah, obviously but kind of a, a hazy figure moving upright and um going through the fields and then stopping and bending over and standing up upright again couldn't figure out who it was until one of our mediums went to a house that folks contacted me and said, we think the lady in white lives in our house. So we had to investigate that. Right. So we did. And uh, we didn't say anything to the medium. And she was, she said, well, there's a, there's a, a feel of presence of a woman here. And uh, then she went on to something else. Finally, we had to ask her as, as we were leaving, we said, Carol, what do you get any feeling who the lady in white is here? She said, Oh yeah, that's the nun. And we're like, a nun. Now that kind of makes sense because there were 
nuns from Emmitsburg, uh, Maryland, about 10 miles south of Gettysburg, that immediately came to the battlefield after the battle. And they would have done exactly what that uh, what the lady in white would have done is, is looking for wounded or living that uh, they could uh, care for. Um, and I did have a, a couple, two women who went out there, um, two nurses, as a matter of fact, who went out there and literally saw the uh, a woman in white materialize before, before their eyes one night. So that, um, that was also kind of interesting out there. And what was the other one? Because I didn't recognize the other story that you're talking about. <clears throat> it was uh, the lookout. It, it was there was an article that was referenced with you, and they talked about the lady in white and the lookout phantom. Yeah, it could be. Um, there's a building on the Gettysburg College campus called um, uh, Pennsylvania Hall, and it was there at the time of the battle. It was used as a hospital. And also as a, I mean, since it's one of the tallest buildings in the area, as a, uh, a, a spot for uh, the officers to climb up in the cupola on top and uh, do a uh, observation. In fact, they say Robert E. Lee was actually up in that cupola for a little while watching the battle as it, uh, as it progressed. And um, one of the stories that goes around the Gettysburg College campus is uh, they will be walking along and they'll look up towards the cupola and maybe hear something up there. And the, the one thing that seems to, that one person that they seem to see up there is a fella dressed with uh, uh, white pants and uh, a, a dark uh, jacket. And he will be waving or signaling and uh, when someone told us that story, we were like, well, wait a minute, this kind of makes sense because in many cases, the fellow, they did have signalmen, a signal corps, and um, they would use flags. And the way they could tell who they were, from what I've been told, is that rather than dark pants, they wore white pants. So you saw uh, from a distance, you could see a dark jacket and then and then light colored pants. So it'd be almost as if the guy was uh, floating, you know, from the waist up, but that he has been seen at Gettysburg college a number of times and, and he has been called the signalman. So that's probably what. Right. I just, I actually just found it. It's, it's called uh, the lookout sometimes called the lone sentinel A phantom soldier with a lantern and rifle is sometimes seen gazing North from the cupola atop the college's Pennsylvania hall. The stately Greek revival building, once a dormitory, now offices, and during the battle in an impromptu hospital, is the scene of Mark Nesbitt's personal favorite Gettysburg ghost story. One night in the 1980s, two college administrators left together after working late. The elevator delivered them not to the first floor, but to the basement. There, the doors opened onto a grisly Civil War era scene. Bleeding patients, harried orderlies, a surgeon preparing to soften a man's arm. When the elevator finally delivered them to the lobby, they ran to the security guard for help. But when he surveyed the basement, it was pristine and quiet, exactly as it should be. That's a pretty that's a pretty famous story, yeah. yeah and that's a um, lot of that's a lot of energy to uh, for the spirits to pro, uh, project all that to uh, a couple of people. Well, it's interesting because I I knew the security guard, and I interviewed him and asked him about that, and he said, "Oh yeah, I remember them coming over," and they were. They were, they were really frightened. 
and these are two professionals. I mean, no kidding. You know, women <laughs> are used to uh, staying up late in that haunted place. And uh, and uh, the other interesting thing is, I was doing autographing at Gettysburg College, and uh, a couple came up to me and they said, uh, "We know that woman that that happened to." I said, "Oh, you know, because I I knew the two women as well." I said, oh, "Such and such." And, he said, no. I said, well, you must be talking about the other woman. And they said, no. They gave me a, a name of a third woman who had the same experience or said she did. And they gave me her phone number. So I called her up. She uh, had moved to, um, to Denver. And I called her up and interviewed her. And she told me virtually exactly the same story that the two women had experienced uh, with the exception that she was not working for the college. She had, was working for a, uh, account, an, an accounting firm and they were on the top floors and they asked her to go down to the, to the uh, cars to get some paperwork. And she got in the elevator, went down and saw the, um, the hospital scene down in the basement. That's amazing. You know, stuff still happens around Gettysburg. It's not like, you know, I, I wrote the story and that's the last time it ever happened. That was, that's why I wrote the, the chapter Deja Vu. Right. Mark, uh, I know Gettysburg is considered one of the most haunted places in North America, if not the world. But I, I, most of the, the stories I hear are, are fairly benign. But are, are there any really scary stories that have come out from, uh, from the area? It is a place where people tend to go looking for spirits. And so I guess if they prepared themselves to see something or, or if they do see something, then there's, there's not much of that, uh, you know, flight or fright, ex flight or flight experience there or, or reaction to it. But uh, you don't often hear about, you know, demonic or really scary, uh, nasty, malevolent spirits coming out of Gettysburg, but you might, you might prove me wrong in a not, minute not really uh I, one of the one of the stories now this does have to do with devil's den that um the people really got scared and and you know took off running there was a uh, group of uh college kids that were out there one night and someone had brought along a ouija board and they decided they were going to try and summon someone oh so they idea. got yeah that's uh, i don't understand why people do that but they yeah they never learned and you know if you're gonna if you're gonna play with a Ouija board, why go to a place called Devil's Den? I mean, no, that no kidding. Yeah, but you know they're kids and they want to do that type of thing. So they 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 did get in touch with the, it's spelled out A I R K, and the, they it figured it's this Eric, and then another name called uh, just two letters Q D, which they thought was cutie. So he must be with a female, and just before they were getting ready to leave, one of them said, as they're packing up, one of them said over the board, will you meet us at the parking lot? And it answered yes. So they're like, okay, let's get out of here now. So as they're walking towards the parking lot, they look back into the woods and there was this blue light and it was coming towards them. And the closer it got that it was two individuals, blue haze walking towards them and it became like a race to get to the um, to get to the car in the parking lot and they got in the car and they took off one of them looked back and they saw this couple standing in the parking lot and that i think is about the closest that uh well i can't say 
the only time somebody got really, really scared. Uh, but I would, I would classify a lot of the things that, that, that go on as just unexplainable, um, things moving when they shouldn't be moving, um, noises where you shouldn't hear noises, especially for example, footsteps, uh, people will be walking through the national cemetery, hear footsteps behind them. They'll turn around and nobody's there. And I don't want to uh, give you the impression that the only place that is, is haunted is the battlefield itself. Because as, as, as Tony knows, the town was part of the battlefield. They fought in and through the town of Gettysburg. The building that we run our ghost tours out of was occupied, we're pretty sure, by uh, Georgia troops. Okay. So... Um, we, uh, you know, and, and we're right in town. So it's not just the park, not just the national park, but it's the town of Gettysburg that I've gotten scores of stories from and the college campus and the Lutheran Theological Seminary. They were all fought over and had burials and became some of the buildings became hospitals. So Gettysburg uh, itself became part of the battlefield and is, you know, is also haunted. Mark, I've got a question for you, and it's kind of uh, steering away from the spirits, but, you know, we are into the all things paranormal, so I've got to ask you, uh, does Gettysburg get any UFO sightings? Or is it a hot spot for anything else other than spirits? Do you ever get, uh, any, you know, you ever get any Bigfoot-related uh, um, stories? or? Yeah, there's a group that uh, has done some uh, Bigfoot experiment or hunting, in uh, the Gettysburg area, but they haven't, as far as I know, haven't been successful. But as far as uh, UFOs, uh, Patty Wilson, one of my other co-authors, uh, collected a story about UFOs being seen uh, over the battlefield. And I actually had, I have to say this, I, I, I had an experience with that once I was, uh, I used to live just north of town on Carlisle Street, and it was a pretty quiet area not a whole lot of lights out there and my stepson and I were coming back and it was night from work and uh I, I I looked up into the sky and he was only about 15 years old and I said I said look how pretty the stars are you can see you know, since you don't have many lights and I saw a a light going at a, at a pretty good clip it was fairly high and I said you know I wonder if that's a space station that's going by. I said, you see that? See how fast it's going relative to the other to the stars? He goes, yeah, look at that. And it was, and it was, it was moving along and all of a sudden it did a 90 degree turn and just went the other way. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> that's your next that, book. There's your next book right there. Yeah. <laughs> the UFOs of Gettysburg. I got a question to ask uh, you, Mark. Yeah. Uh, when I was there, right, uh, I went on one of the tours by the national parks, uh, very people put on, and we did about an hour tour. At the end, there, right, and I, I went up to him and asked him, I said, uh, Can I ask you a question? He goes, Sure. I says, I, I noticed during the whole tour, right, you did a uh, tour, right, and you everything was about the Union. He goes, Okay. I says, uh, You didn't talk about the Confederates. He goes, well, I said, Why? He looked at me right in the eye. He says, sir, he says, you want to hear about the Confederate? You got the wrong tour. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of got the sense there that there's still resentment, right, for what the Confederates did, even today, right, in Gettysburg, even mm -hmm. though it is part of Gettysburg history. 
uh, up there because uh, you know it's because when I heard some of the stories, what they did to the to the Confederate bodies, like the story where they threw the bodies they found in the river, right? They disposed them, right? And unfortunate rain and their bodies float down the river and they plugged up the river and it caused a flood. Am I correct? Well, you know, there may be some uh, antagonism <laughs> there. You know, a lot of the guys, a lot of the local people have um, names that you would recognize from the uh, the battlefield. I remember when I first started there, there were trossels, there were Wikers, there were, you know, people like that who, who were guides. And Gettysburg, though, historically has always kind of been kind of been split. It, it was a both a uh, Union and a Confederate um, area being that close to the Mason-Dixon line. Mm-hmm. And of course, Jenny Wade was the uh, female, the only only civilian killed in the battle. And um, she was uh, John Burns, who was another hero of the battle, uh, called her in a letter a she rebel. And so that family may have had a connection because her name wasn't Jenny. Her name was Virginia Wade and her sister's name was Georgia. So the Wade family probably had Southern sympathies. Uh, and that's what John Burns was talking about. So the, and it still could happen. I know one of the guys I worked with, uh, uh, his name was Colonel Jacob Sheeds. He knew more about the battle than anybody uh i've ever met and he uh, he was a staunch unionist he uh uh would talk briefly about the confederates but it was mostly union soldiers that he he wanted to talk about so i can understand your experience just to go along with what tony said uh, this isn't paranormal related but uh, my aunt and uncle originally from toronto uh moved to pennsylvania because my my uncle worked for i think it was for boeing or one of the, one of the major uh, aircraft suppliers, and when my cousin later on moved to Virginia, uh, she got a job with uh, the township, and the ladies there were treating her, you know, giving her the cold shoulder and weren't weren't being very friendly to her, and she kind of just pulled someone aside and said, Look, "What's going on here?" And she says, "Well, and the lady says, well, you're from the north," <laughs> she said, because they thought she was from Pennsylvania, right? Because you know she grew up there, so she had an accent and everything else. And she says, "Well, I'm originally from Canada, so I was born in Canada." And then all the ladies are like, "Oh, oh that's okay." You're, you know, and they yeah. all they all opened up to her, and it's like, "Oh my goodness!" You know, I, she couldn't believe that there was still that, uh, you know, some of that southern, you know, ideology and you know the, the South shall rise again kind of mentality. But uh, it kind of took her by surprise. Yeah, I ran into that when I was doing research down in Richmond. Um, so, yeah, it, well, my mistake was uh, the woman who was the guy that was going through one of these beautiful churches and they had all these stained glass windows. And, uh, you know, in, in the South, you have a stained glass window in the church of Moses. Then the next one is Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson. Then the next one is Jesus. And then the next one is Jeb Stewart. So you, you know where I'm coming from. And um, she's just as a, you know, she asked, okay, where, where, in a beautiful, beautiful Richmond accent, where y'all from? And so everybody went around, she got to me and I said, Gettysburg. And she looked at me and she said, oh, (laughs) and so we're going, (laughs) we're going around. And finally, I, uh, she said, are there any questions? And I said, could you tell me something about the one stained glass window there uh, with Jeb Stewart? And she said, 
when I could, and then turned around and asked someone else. Oh wow! Question. So yeah, you know, it's palpable. Oh, well. It's palpable down there. Mark, before we wrap things up, I'm going to ask you to regale us with one more ghost story. Make it a good one. Maybe one of your favorites. Strangest thing that ever happened to me, maybe? Weirdest thing? Sure. Other than visiting Richmond, Virginia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there is a farm called the Daniel Lady Farm. And uh, it's owned by a nonprofit. It was a hospital at the time of the battle. The front room was operating room. And it was it belongs to a nonprofit. And I was on the board of directors uh, for the nonprofit. And uh, they had a caretaker out there and he called me up one day. I mean, there are bloodstains on the floor that poor Mrs. Lady couldn't get out after years and years and years. So it, we definitely know that was a hospital scene. The caretaker called me up one day and he said, Mark, if you want to see something paranormal going on right before your eyes, come on out. I mean, who can, who can turn that down, right? So threw the gear in the van and drove over there. And I had my video camera just going. And he said, it's in the operating room. It was all cleaned up yesterday, but you got to take a look at this. And I walked in and there on the floor were long streaks of liquid, a rust colored liquid, drops of it that looked like they were crystallizing. And I put a yardstick down and started taking pictures. These were, were five, six feet long. I said, did, did a pipe break downstairs? He says, no, this is all clean. We had a group in yesterday, and we, this was all clean yesterday. I came in here this morning, and it's like this. I said, do you have a tissue? He said, yeah. So I soaked some of it up, and I, and I put it away, and I an hour taking video and pictures. I said, I don't know what to say about this. He says, I got to go out in the field. I got work to do. I said, okay. So I left. A couple hours later, I get another phone call from him. He said, Mark, it's gone. I said, what are you talking about? He said, it, it disappeared. So I jumped in the car again, went out there and had my camera going. Once again, walked into the room and it, it was, it was gone. It was, it disappeared. So I had, I'm taking the video and you can see him squat down. He said, right here. Right. I said, yeah. He says, what the heck is this? He's got a thin layer of dust on his fingers that you can see in the video. And my wife was there and she said, what about the sample that you got? I said, I don't know. That may have disappeared too. So she ran out to the car. That was still intact. Now, the um, the group that owned the building had, it was pretty well connected and the lawyers and stuff like that. So they took the sample and sent it off to a forensics lab. And three or four weeks later, the results came back from the tests they did on that sample. The liquid was blood and the species was human and it had vanished. And I mean, there was no trace of it. And yet in the corners of the, that room were big splotches of blood that had been there for 150 some years. I don't know what happened there, Dan, whether I got caught in a time warp in a loop or something, right. but it was, it was dry as a bone. It had dust on it when we, we got back to it. So that, that is, has to go down as the strangest thing that ever happened to me at Gettysburg. That is, cool that, is that is pretty cool. <laughs> wow. Spirit wow. blood. Mark, are your tours still going on even uh, during all this crazy COVID time, or is there a bit of a bit of a lapse? We're offering uh, private tours of uh, you know two to fifteen, 
And uh, so we, uh, you know, charge accordingly as our group tours. But some people feel a little more comfortable that way. Our regular tours will open for Saturday nights. If people want to book a tour or get a hold of you, where do they go? Go to our website, ghostsofgettysburg.com. That's that's plural, ghostsofgettysburg.com. All righty. And if anybody wants to get a hold of your books, I think Tony might, uh, you know, unless he already has a couple of them, <laughs> you never know. How do, how do you get a hold of your books? Same place, ghostsofgettysburg.com. They can be ordered uh, through us. Awesome. Mark Nesbitt, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, Tony and I had planned on doing a, a Gettysburg run before all this, uh, you know, the world went uh, belly up. Maybe if things open up soon enough, we'll get to meet you in person. Oh, yeah. Mark Nesbitt, thank you so much for being on the Phantom Faction. We love thank the ghost you. stories. This has been a good one. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Phantom Faction Podcast, a podcast to educate, entertain, assist, and guide anyone involved or interested in the paranormal. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com.